I'm Brianna Haig, and today you'll hear my story on San Francisco People. the marina land of beautiful golden gate bridge views leisurely sunny afternoons and the tipsy pig it's the neighborhood that most san franciscans love to hate because to many it's simply seen as a graduating step from college where fraternity bros and beautiful girls in lululemon pants stroll hand in hand down chestnut street and today's guest brianna haig she started an event that seemed to celebrate marina life in 2012, she founded and put on the first ever Mr. Marina competition. Now, this competition is literally a male beauty pageant aimed at finding the marina's best man. And the guys who participate, they get judged on swimwear, a talent contest, and a Q&A, just like any other pageant out there. Now, I've never been to one of the competitions, but they're heavily talked about. And I think by now, most San Franciscans have heard about it. So I thought it would be fun to bring Brianna on the show and get some good laughs. I was sure there had to be plenty of funny moments over the years from all the competitions. And I really thought that would be the extent of the story. But as I researched Mr. Marina more before the interview, I realized there was an even better story out there. And that's the personal story of Brianna Haig. It's a story of why she started the competition and how her success with it has touched many people far beyond the marina. Back in 2008, Brianna found out her dad had been diagnosed with leukemia. And while she was devastated, she decided to do something about it. She found the San Francisco chapter of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and she started doing a lot of fundraising events for him. And she was good at it. I mean, she was really good at it. So good that in 2012, she got nominated to compete for a prestigious award and then fundraised more than any woman ever had in the 20-plus years of the competition. It was the Mr. Marina competition that drove her to the record and has since helped Brianna raise over $500,000 for cancer research. Brianna's going to share the story with us today, and then we're also going to have a little fun, because there have been plenty of funny moments from the four years of Mr. Marina. Last year, one of the contestants asked for Brianna's number on stage, right in the middle of his Q&A session. I get the inside scoop from Brianna on whether they actually went out on a date. We also talk about one of her guest judges from the past, the mysterious Marina Girl Says, who tweets about daily life and happenings in the marina. I put a little pressure on Brianna to try and reveal the identity of Marina Girl Says. I did that for all of you out there. Let's see if she caves and gives me her identity. I also found out that Brianna and I are neighbors. We talk about our favorite spots in the hood, which can be called Pack Heights, Cow Hollow, the Marina, or Russian Hill, just depending on who you talk to. Brianna also shares her favorite spots throughout all of San Francisco. So let's go talk to Brianna. Can you tell me about the moment you found out that your dad had leukemia? 
Yeah, I, I remember that moment very well. I was about to move up to San Francisco. It was actually the Friday before, um, or the day before I was driving up to San Francisco to move my life up here. And I went to dinner with my parents and at dinner in public, <laughs> um, he shared the news that he had that everyone else had been clued in on, but he hadn't shared with me yet because he knew that I was about to make this move and didn't, um, you know, was trying to figure out the best way to communicate the, the news that he had, but he had been diagnosed with CLL, which is chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And, um, it was 2008. I, you know, wasn't really prepared for that conversation because we were at dinner, you know, saying goodbye to my life in San Diego. And, um, you know, I, I started crying cause I, you know, it was something that was very emotional and I kind of was a little bit upset that everyone else in the family knew. And this was the first time that I was hearing about it and I was about to leave the next day. Um, but that kind of news is never easy to deliver regardless. Um, but you know, something that I, you know, really found living up here in San Francisco is a community within the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which also has a chapter in San Diego that my dad's been very involved with. And it's been a really great source of support for him. And being involved with the chapter up here has given me kind of a sense of, um, you know, that community and, you know, feeling like I'm doing something and able to make a difference, um, you know, an impact when it comes to research and development, fundraising, patient services. It's, you know, really great to be a part of an organization that has such a huge impact on that and the people that have lives that are affected by blood cancer. I have a lot of friends that have family members and people that are very close to them that have been affected by blood cancer too. And I think um, through my involvement with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, I've heard countless stories and, um, you know, connected with countless people that have a story or know someone that does. And so many people are affected by the disease. So I think being involved with an organization that, um, you know, has this really great community of people that, you know, want to make a difference has been, you know, really, really neat. Okay. So you were upset by that, obviously. I mean, that is, a, that is um, hard news to hear. But then you decided to do something about it. Um, tell me about the plan you hatched and how all of that came to be. Yeah. So when I first got involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, it was through their team and training program. And you're charged with the challenge of raising a few thousand dollars in exchange for getting coaching and support and, you know, participation in your first triathlon or a marathon. Um, and I did the tri team and I did a few seasons of that and each time raised, you know, double the minimum. That was always my goal. If the minimum was $3,000, I tried to raise $6,000. And then I started to realize that something that was really working for me was events. And, you know, I started to think about what resources were available to me. Um, and in my case, it was single friends. And so I did a lot of date <laughs> auctions. <laughs> um, and that was, that was huge. I mean, it, it raised a lot of money. It raised a lot more than sending out an email to my network and asking them to donate so I could participate in a triathlon. Um, and I, I found through that, that I really enjoyed events. My job wasn't related to events and it was something that I thought, you know, was really, um, you know, great way to raise a lot of money, but also raise awareness and have fun in the process. And, um, in 2012, I was nominated for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Woman of the Year honor. And essentially, when you accept the nomination for this, you're agreeing to participate in a 10-week fundraising competition. Okay. And so you were nominated for this based on all of the work you had done prior in these, like, various fundraisers. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was really excited to really challenge myself and see how much I could raise. And the competition is, you know, really just based on how many dollars that you raise for LLS. The winner of both the man of the year and woman of the year title each year is whoever raises the most. So for the first time, it wasn't, you know, you need to raise this amount. This is, you know, the specific amount that you're, you know, challenged to raise. It was, you know, the sky's the limit. How much, how much of an impact can I have? And, um, I had a friend that had participated in the man of the year competition a couple years prior. And I really liked how he had kind of rallied together the young professional community in San Francisco. He had a campaign called band against blood cancer and everyone had, sweatbands with the logo that he had created and he had all of these really fun events for young professionals and I thought that that was really cool so I wanted to emulate that and have a campaign for woman of the year that wasn't about me winning woman of the year I wanted to not really emphasize that because that made me uncomfortable um but I wanted to create a campaign and create a series of events that you know brought people together in a really unique and special way and you know, raised awareness about the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, gave people an opportunity to give back um, and also meet people and, you know, be a part of this community. So I created a campaign called Slap Cancer. We had slap bracelets for everyone that attended our events. We also had these slap koozies for everyone's beer cans. Okay. <laughs> um, it said slap can, sir. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Um, so we had a series of events and it, you know, it ranged from everything from a fantasy batting practice event at AT AT&T park to a date auction. (laughs) Um, we did a kickball tournament, a tailgate and game at AT AT&T park for a giants game. Um, and you know, I had probably about 10 events that were the main events that we focused on, but one of the events within that series was the Mr. Marina competition and it was never intended to be an annual event. And I yeah. had no idea how big it was going to become, but so how did that, I want to know how that idea came to be. I mean, did you hatch that? Was that you sitting around with friends talking about possibilities? Like who came up with that? How'd you come up with that? Yeah. So my friend Kelly and I were at bin 38 for their four year anniversary party. And it's so sad because they're they just closed. Yeah. They just yeah. closed. <laughs> I love that place. I used to love that place. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm sure it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be Scotland yard is the new place. Oh, really? Yeah. The guys that. that did, um, it's a, it's a bar in Hayes Valley. I'm trying to remember the name. They're taking it over. Okay. So I'm sure it'll be great, but Love been 38. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and my friend Kelly and I, she actually had the most check-ins on Foursquare. So she was the mayor and I had the most check-ins on Yelp. So I was the duchess. <laughs> you had the most check-ins on Yelp at been 38. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So the owner was like, oh, the duchess and the mayor, free wine for you all night. So we're just enjoying ourselves. It's a Wednesday. Um, and we were just, we were talking about my campaign that was coming up and um, trying to think of creative fun events and we started joking about the marina and the stereotypes around the marina and all of the parallels with a collegiate slash Greek you know fratty lifestyle and she was you know we both are very familiar with sorority life and we were talking about philanthropy events and 
we just started kind of talking about how funny it would be to have a adult Greek philanthropy event in San Francisco. And one of the ideas that had come up was having a Mr. Marina competition. And it was, it was just kind of like a fun conversation that we had had. And after that, I floated the idea around with a couple of my friends and I had actually, I had a conversation with a couple people, you know, far before this about like, oh, there needs to be a Mr. and a Miss Marina competition and never, you know, related to fundraising or charity or anything. But I had heard like, you know, murmurings of this type of thing before. And so I asked a few of my friends. Some people thought it was a really funny and fun idea. Some people didn't think that it would go over very well. So there was a moment when I kind of brushed it aside and didn't really think that, um, you know, it was going to be a wise choice. But I remember going on a walk with one of my friends and she said, you know, I think you should do it. I really do. I think that this would be really fun. And I think that, um, you know, this would be really unique and different. So after that, I was like, okay, let's do it. So we had a brainstorming session and a few of my friends that were involved with my um, slap cancer campaign. We all met at squat and gobble for dinner. And I'll never forget one of my friends, um, Kinsey, she brought up the idea, you know, within our brainstorming that the participants in the Mr. Marina competition should fundraise as a part of their participation. And that was a game changer. Um, it was just a great idea. And that, you know, so many people that I just had conversations with leading up to um, the planning of the event really helped play a role in kind of the creation of what it ended up becoming. Okay. Uh, when I was reading some of the articles about previous Mr. Marinas, um, there was a quote um, that you said that I liked, and it said, I tapped into something that everyone loves and loves to hate, the Marina. So, Two-part question, why do you think the marina gets such polar reactions from people? Because, I mean, that is true. It is either loved or hated. I think primarily hated um, through most people in the city outside the marina. Yep. (laughs) And how did you use that um, to your advantage in putting together this competition? I think, you know, everyone has an opinion on the marina, and it's, it's interesting because you know, it's, it's a topic of conversation that everyone has in San Francisco. And when someone says they live here, there's, you know, (laughs) one or two reactions. It's, Oh, great. I love that area. Like, are you close to the bridge? Like, where do you live? What are your cross streets? Or it's, Oh (laughs) yeah. No, when I moved here, when I first moved here, I lived right in the heart of the Marina, like Pearson beach street. And when I would meet new people, They'd ask me, what neighborhood do you live in? And I just like prepare myself for like the eye roll, the, um, you know, so yeah, I, I got that all the time. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the reason that Mr. Marina has just become so special is because people talk about it and people have an opinion about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's an event that gets a lot of press and there's a lot of talk and, um, you know, people that don't understand it and haven't been to the event sometimes have an opinion that, you know, might, might be different if they had actually attended or if they had more of an understanding of what the event's all about. But I think because of the stereotypes around the Marina and the frat bros and, you know, really the, the event is in large part in jest and it's kind of a joke and it's like, everyone's in on the joke and all of the guys are totally comfortable getting on stage and making fun of themselves and making fun of a lot of the stereotypes. And, you know, each year there's a few jokes that always end up happening that are particular to, you know, whatever's going on in the Marina at that point in time. And it's fun because everyone has a really great sense of humor about it. 
Um, but because of the stereotypes related to the marina, it just makes it a really fun, you know, conversation to have and a really fun thing to make fun of. And, and people like to like to spread the word about that. Okay. So you guys are at squat and gobble. You're starting to work out the details for Mr. Marina. It's launched. When did you realize that this was going to be big? So with, um, with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Woman of the Year, Man of the Year competition, you have 10 weeks to fundraise and there's a launch date. And that date is when you're allowed to start fundraising. So the way that we had it worked out was that ticket sales for all of the events that were a part of the campaign were all launching on the same day. And that was the day of, you know, the first day of fundraising. So what we wanted to do was create an opportunity to market all of the events and get some buzz and get people excited about everything leading up to that date. And we were trying to think of how we could get the word out about Mr. Marina and have people talking about it and have people excited about, um, you know, the tickets going on sale prior to us even releasing them. So we sent out a nomination form for people to nominate their friends that they thought would be the perfect Mr. Marina. And we, you know, didn't have any photos of the event because the event had never happened before. So I called my friends um, that founded Chubby Shorts and we used some of their marketing photos on the landing page we put together, which is perfect because it's, you know, these attractive guys in short shorts on a boat and then <laughs> in, you know, Fort Mason throwing a football. <laughs> yeah. Um, so bless their hearts for letting us use those photos because I think that was one of the reasons people thought this was so hilarious. Um but we, you know, we kind of, you know, put together some language about, you know, who Mr. Marina is and what this entails. And he doesn't have to live in the 94123. He just has to embody the neighborhood values. And <laughs> nice. I like that. I was wondering about that. <laughs> if you set up borders that you had to live within like, certain borders. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, so some of the participants do not actually live in the marina. They don't reside here, but but they frequent a lot of the bars. Um so we had this nomination page and, you know, told everyone that I knew, everyone that knew someone that, you know, had any sort of involvement with the event, you know, post this on your Facebook page, email this to all of your friends. You know, this is a, this is going to be a new event. It's going to be really exciting. We want to make sure that we have the best people. And as we referred to it, the cream of the Marina crop. And I was blown away with the number of nominations that we had. And granted, I learned later that just because someone gets nominated does not mean that they're game to actually do this when it comes down to it. (laughs) So that was whittled down real quick, but we had 68 nominations and I was just so floored with the level of excitement people had and the thought and care they put into the nomination they had for their friend that they were convinced needed to participate in this. So I think, you know, really because of social media and people sharing and resharing and getting the word out about the nominations, Um, that was a moment where I was, you know, really surprised because again, I just wasn't sure if this was going to be a hit, if people would think it was as funny as I did. Um, you know, there's a lot of potential for this being really great, but I had no idea which way it was going to go. Um, and then the other moment was when we released the tickets on day one, we had initially booked the parlor as a venue for the first year and the capacity at the parlor is 400 people. And we sold out the event in six minutes because six minutes. Yeah. Jeez. So we had promoted, you know, tickets go on sale at, you know, 10 a.m. And for any event organizer, that's a great problem to have because you don't have to stress about ticket sales, which is always such a stressful part of organizing an event. 
Um, but it was a problem that we had because people were, you know, communicating that they were really upset because their friend was participating and they didn't get a ticket in time and they didn't realize it was going to sell out. And there was a lot of interest. And this was, you know, I think like two months before the event was even happening. So we realized that there was enough interest to upgrade the event. And, you know, I felt bad about telling the parlor we were going to move it elsewhere, but we kind of had to. And so we ended up booking mezzanine as the venue for the first year. And that capacity is a thousand people. We sold out again, closer to the date. Um, but you know, again, I had no idea that a thousand people would think this was funny enough to buy a, I think it was a $25 ticket the first year, but they did did. (laughs) and they showed up. It was great. So tell me about the first competition. Um, what are some of your favorite memories and highlights from that? So each, each class of Mr. Marina contestants is so special because they're all, you know, they all have unique personalities and it's a unique dynamic, you know, based on who participates. But the first year we had 14 guys that were a part of the event and one of them wasn't able to come because he ended up having to travel internationally for work. And he still, you know, did a lot of fundraising and was amazing and so, so great throughout the entire thing, but he wasn't actually able to make the show. So we had 13 that were um, involved on stage with the event. And there, <laughs> it's interesting seeing how the event has evolved over the years. But the first year, um, we had a couple people that really set the bar at a certain level for the next year's group to really, you know, get inspired and continue to want to raise it. Um, the first year we had one contestant that really stood out with the fundraising and he was actually the winner. And because of the way the points were structured, we restructured them slightly the next year because going into the competition, no one stood a chance because he was the top fundraiser, which is great. I mean, we want, we always want to, emphasize towards that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always going to be how it's weighed, but we don't want it ever to be a situation where if you're not the top fundraiser, you don't even stand a chance at all the night of the event. So, um, Chris Clark was the winner that year and the top fundraisers raised about $5,000. There were a couple people that were around that amount and he raised $10,000. And so he really blew everyone away. Um, he has a great network and he, was able to, you know, really tap into, you know, anyone that owed him a favor and, you know, get support from a lot of people that were here. He was on the older side that year and he, um, definitely had a a very solid foundation in terms of, you know, people that wanted to support him. So that was really cool to see because, you know, we, we thought that the first year we were going to raise $15,000, maybe that was the stretch goal. And the event raised $84,000 total. So, you know, far exceeded any sort of expectations around the event. It was, it was really neat to see, um, you know, just how much it picked up and all of the buildup around it. But I think, you know, the first year looking into the crowd and seeing all of the people and, you know, we had two contestants that were both quite popular and had a lot of friends that came out to support them wearing t-shirts with their faces. (laughs) So, you know, we had, um, Aaron O'Brien's team and then Brian Cope's team and they all had signs and they were, you know, the fans in the crowd. Right. right. That's good for the show. It was great. It was great. <laughs> were you hosting the first year as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and that kind of came about in a roundabout way. I was looking for an MC. I was looking for someone to, to host the event. And then I kind of realized, you know, like I know these guys more than anybody else. I don't know like who I would be comfortable with, you know, having 
run the thing. And so last minute I was like, okay, well, if we can't find anyone, I'll just do it. Um, but it ended up being great because, you know, I have a very solid understanding of the event and the people that are participating in it. And that makes it a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a lot, a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be that first year. I've always enjoyed seeing who like the judges are, um, for them. And the first year, um, was what's her name? Marina girl says, was she a judge? <laughs> that I was the second year. That. that was the second year. Yeah. Okay. She was a guest so judge. She a was a guest judge. judge, a mystery judge. So how did that, cause her identity is like unknown. Secret. Yeah. How did she participate? So, um, that and, and that was one of the things that year that was a big thing. Everyone loved Marina Girl Says that year and everyone wanted to know who she was. And it was just a it was kind of a fun element for the 2013 show. Um, we had our four. We always have four judges that are on stage that face the audience and they hold up the scores after each round and they give comments after um, each segment on, you know, what stood out to them. And the judges are selected um for very specific reasons. We always make sure that we have someone that has a connection to the cause. So for three years, it was a staff member that actually works for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, This past year, we had someone that is a survivor of lymphoma. Um, We always have someone that is, um, kind of has like a, a good sense of competition. So we had the winner of Miss California one year, um, and then the current title holder for Miss California another year. Um, we had a reality show participant, my friend that was on The Bachelor <laughs> one year. Um, and then this year we actually had Mark Farrell, who is the on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, and he's the supervisor for District 2, which includes the marina, and that was really special. Yeah, so he has been a guest on San Francisco People. Great. Episode 6 or 7, I believe. He's great. But he's anyway, awesome. Go on. It was so fun having him yeah. a part of it. Um, so yeah, so in 2013 we had an additional judge that was – you know, separate from our judging panel. And the Marina girl says bonus point was awarded to one contestant each round. So for swimwear, she gave one point and points are everything with the competition because they, you know, really can make a difference. And that year it made a huge difference. So she awarded one point to her favorite contestant for swimwear talent and then Marina wear. And what happened was there were two contestants that were neck and neck and the Marina girl says bonus point after the Marina wear section at the end of the event was actually the determining factor of who won, which was so <laughs> emotional because these two guys that were tied at that point, and we have a running spreadsheet the entire time that my friend Jeremy manages behind the scenes um, with you know all of the totals for their fundraising prior to the event, you know each of the rounds, what they're getting from each of the judges, and. Um, the two guys that were neck and neck, they were both such amazing people. And while I was so excited that Ish Simpson was our winner and I like couldn't wait to announce it, I was also heartbroken that Ben Hartard wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, the drama. Yeah. The drama had to be good. <laughs> yeah. So Marina Girl says she was the, the determining um, vote when it came to the winner that year. So you know who Marina Girl says is. I can't. I can't I'm not going to ask you to say, but you do know who it is. Right? No, no one knows who it is. It's San Francisco's have, best. You have to secret. know, though. Okay, so you know. Um, all right, that's cool. It's not me. <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't insinuating that at all. Um, but that's cool that, that that I know somebody who knows now. That's interesting. Okay. 
So you ended up raising, you said, $84,000 84, $84, the first year. Yeah. Okay. And how much did you raise for your entire Slap Cancer Woman of the Year? So in total, my fundraising for the Woman of the Year campaign was $207,000. And it broke a record for the San Francisco chapter, a record that has recently been broken again by the current Woman of the Year, which is super exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that point it was the most anyone had raised for the San Francisco chapter and it was really cool that, you know, the fundraising total that the campaign had was really a result of a lot of really awesome events, including Mr. Marina. Yeah. So I read a little bit about that. Um, and so you broke this record. So I understand it's been broken since, but records (laughs) are maybe broken, but I mean, in like the, I think 22 years of the competition, that this had been going on, like you like blew the record away. Um, you ended up winning uh, Woman of the Year. Uh, yeah. So what was that moment like? Um, I guess you automatically knew you were going to win when you like fundraised the most, or was there some formal? Well, no uh, one dinner? knows. No okay. one knows how much anyone else has raised. So okay. I knew what my total was um, because I had a spreadsheet that I was manic about okay. <laughs> updating. Um, so when did you find out that you won? Tell me about that moment. Yeah. So they have a gala at the end of the, um, the competition each year at the Fairmont. And this year it's going to be on June 6th and my parents are flying up for it again. They've made it an annual tradition of coming up for the event. Um, but it's a really great evening where everyone comes together and there's a cocktail reception, sit down dinner, a program, um, they honor the boy and girl of the year whose you know names the fundraising is on, in honor of that year and it's a really special event with you know anywhere between 300 to 500 people depending on how many tables are sold that year and how many people come out for it but um you know black tie optional everyone gets dressed up there's a band there's dancing and they have all of the candidates come up on stage and um, you know, thank them. And it's, you know, very, very focused around the mission and making sure that everyone that attends the gala has, um, you know, a very close feels, feels a very close connection for where the dollars that are raised are going. And, you know, just like any charity gala, it's, you know, a really fun event, a lot of great people. Um, and then they announce the winner. And so they, um, have a little envelope that they give you that has your fundraising total written down for the first time, you know, the exact amount that you were able to raise. And, I, I had a feeling that I was going to win just because I didn't think that anyone had kind of been as crazy about it as I had. Um, I didn't know how much the man of the year had raised, the guy that was going to be winning that title. Um, but I think it was the first time in a while that actually the female winner had raised more than the male winner, which was interesting. And um, yeah, when they, when they announced it, I mean, I had my family there and my dad who, you know, I've done all of this kind of in honor of having him there and like getting kind of teary eyed and me getting teary eyed. Um, it was just a really, it was a really special moment when, you know, I was accepting the award and able to thank everyone that had been a part of something that was so important to me for so long. And so many of my friends were at the event and, you know, the, entire campaign that we had put together, the slap cancer thing. It was, you know, not, it it definitely was not just me. I couldn't have done it without the support of all of these really awesome, amazing people that were in my life. And a lot of them were from team and training. I had done the triathlon team with them. My quote unquote campaign manager, this guy, Troy is such an amazing person. And, you know, we really complimented each other really well with 
a lot of things related to the campaign and, you know, just having all of these people there, you know, to support the cause and support, um, you know, just really celebrating all of the, the, we had achieved over 10 weeks was really special. Yeah. I can imagine your dad was probably pretty proud of you. We have, we have one photo together where like it was right when they had announced it and it was like a photo of him with like me in the background. It's just, it's great. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was a, a special moment. So how is he doing now health wise? He's doing well. I mean, he's traveling in Europe right now. So yeah, <laughs> so he's doing something right. Um, he's gone through chemotherapy twice and he's had a good result. His type of leukemia, he's not going to be going into remission, but he can have a positive reaction to the treatment that he goes through. So um, he goes to the doctor regularly and they um, manage his blood, his white blood cell count um, very frequently. And, you know, sometimes he's a little bit more tired and um, it's really, you know, important whenever anyone's sick, like if I come home and I have a cold, it's a big deal because his immune system is in a stage where, um, you know, it's really important to be mindful and always wash your hands and make sure that, you know, he doesn't catch anything. So that's something that our family has been really, you know, kind of anal about making sure that everyone's washing their hands always. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing well. And you know, when they first gave him the diagnosis, they were like, this could be a one year thing. This could Mm. be a 20 year thing. Like we don't know yet. And I think that was why it was really hard for me initially because I didn't know that he didn't know that no one knew, um, you know, how it was going to pan out and what type of situation he was in versus, you know, what other people are in. But it's the, the type of leukemia that he has is the most common for adult males. Um, and you know, we were just really lucky that, that he ended up being on the, the better side of that. You so. just, you just wrapped up the 2015 pageant. Um, so that was the fourth year. Yeah. How has the event evolved over the last four years and continued to like change and get better and get bigger? Yeah. So each year we raise the bar and, you know, not just with the dollars that are raised and the fundraising total. And we're always so excited to announce the fundraising total at each event because somehow we keep beating the last year's record. Um, and I always get so stressed out about that because I'm like, Oh, we raised $84,000. How are we going to beat that? And then we raised 96 and then how are we going to beat that? And then we raised, um, 155. And then this past year we raised $190,000. So it's always exciting announcing the number, but in the back of my mind, I can't help thinking, how are we going to beat this next year? Um, but also, you know, just the, the production of the event has continued to elevate people, you know, more people know about it. So we have a higher attendance number each year. Um, the venue has evolved and gotten bigger each year. Um, one thing that I think is really funny is the first couple of years we ordered pizza for the guys backstage because, you know, they have to get to the venue at a certain time and, you know, that's around dinner time and we have to keep them there, you know, before the show. And <laughs> the second year, um, less people ate the pizza because they were very carb conscious. Yeah. So they got to get out there and show off their bodies. They don't want to have like a full pizza belly. Yeah. I don't know why I, why I didn't <laughs> think of that. You know, so the, the event has gotten quite sophisticated because this year, this past year we had, um, methodology meals delivered for all of the guys, which is this new personalized nutrition and fitness focused meal delivery service. So they each had their own meals with their names on them that were all very, very healthy options. And I just thought that was a funny moment seeing like, Oh, we used to order pizza and now they get methodology. meals. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, each year they try to one up the last year and, you know, with the fundraising dollars, but then also, 
um, you know, their talent and their, um, you know, one, the first year, one of the guys, John Tuttle, he's hilarious. He did a video that he posted onto YouTube. It was a campaign video. It was, hi, I'm John Tuttle and I am Marina and this is why. And I, you know, it was really, really funny. So the next year, one of the contestants also did a campaign video. And I think it was inspired by what this guy had done year one. And it was a rap to the tune of 99 Problems. And his name's Ish. And he was the one that won in 2013. And the theme of the video was the Marina has 99 problems, but Ish ain't one. And it was, I like that. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was so well produced. It really captured everything about the Marina bar scene and, you know, him, you know, kind of being the king of the neighborhood. The Huffington Post picked it up and did an article on it. People were dying over this video that he had put together. And I think, you know, when you have someone do something one year and then the next year someone does it, but they try to do it at an even more like, you know, thought through level, it's really interesting seeing that evolve. So let's talk about some of the highlights over the last four years. What's been the funniest moment that you remember? I think, I think <laughs> one of the funniest moments this year was one of the contestants for his question and answer round. He was asked the question. They don't know what question they're going to be asked, but they have a list of questions they might be asked. And my question for him was, um, describe your perfect Marina lady. And <laughs> he started to describe me and then asked for my number on stage. And it was just so unexpected <laughs> and so funny. And I was so embarrassed, but it was just, it was really funny. <laughs> well, I heard, I, I read that. I read you gave him your number I did. on stage. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys go out on a date? We hung out a couple of times. Hung out a couple of times. Okay. <laughs> but it fizzled. I don't know. I, I, so when, with Mr. Marina, I never date any of the contestants during the event because that's like yeah. a conflict and I don't know. It just, it's this, always, this was what, this was one of my questions and you cannot answer. This is too <laughs> personal, but I'm like, okay, there's, you said, I think like the first year, like 70 applicants. So there's all these like guys, the yeah. best, the best showcasing to you <laughs> how great they are. You're receiving all of these and evaluating them. I mean, do you ever just say, well, screw the competition. I want I just want to date this guy for myself. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the Mr. Rain competition is. Like you think it's a fundraiser, but it's really me. It's a funnel, fielding, it's a yeah, funnel to bring I'm you dating opportunities. <laughs> um, have you, I mean, have you, um, dated anybody that you've met through the competition? Um, not seriously. Afterwards, yeah. Yeah. Not seriously. I mean, I've, I've gone out with a few, yeah. um, contestants from various years after the fact, but, um, you know, I keep getting older. They stay the same age. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I bet that was a, that was a pretty funny moment. What yeah. about most heartwarming moment that you remember? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of them. I know. I, Maybe just give me one. I don't want to just, just focus on this year because there've been so many great moments all of the years, but this year it was, it was so heartwarming when, um, the guy that won the competition, he was the second highest fundraiser, but up until like the last, you know, the 11th hour, he had been the top fundraiser for a while. And he really was very effective at rallying together his community of friends that are here and getting everyone to support his campaign. And he did his entire campaign in honor of his mom, who's a survivor. And I was put in touch with his mom over email prior to the event from one of his friends. And she lives in Indiana. They have a huge family, so many kids. She, um, you know, 
did not tell him this at all, but was planning on coming out to San Francisco for the event and surprising him. So I had been in touch with her, you know, for a few weeks leading up to the event. I was like, oh, my mom's coming for the first time. Actually, you guys can sit together and, you know, I'll give you each other's numbers. You can coordinate. So um, Michael Thomas, who was our winner this past year, um, you know, it's been it's been really important to him to raise a lot of money because of his close connection to the cause. And it's in honor of his mom. And he had no idea that she was in the audience the entire time. Um, and so at the very end, after all of the scores had been tallied, because I didn't want this moment to affect anything related to his score, because it was very close this year, too. Um, we had the question that I had asked him. This is when I knew that he knew his mom wasn't in the crowd. I asked him a question. Um, that was very particular to, you know, his story. And it was, you know, why did you get involved in Mr. Marina? And he's, you know, said, he mentioned something about his mom, but he really kind of focused on something funny and, you know, pleasing the crowd and that kind of thing. So after he gave his answer and the judges gave their scores, I had him come out again and I said, okay, so, you know, something that we really want to make sure that we emphasize within this event is the cause. And, Um, you know, how important it is and the stories of all of the people that, you know, have been affected by blood cancer, why this is something that's really important. Um, Can you just tell, can you tell everyone a little bit more about, you know, your, your connection to the cause and the story about your mom? So he, you know, said a few words and I said, okay, well, if your mom, if your mom was in the audience, what would you, what would you say to her right now? And she had come out on stage and was standing right behind him and he had no idea. And, you know, he said a few things about it. And then she tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and dropped the mic, literally. (laughs) (laughs) So shocked, so excited. And it was just one of those moments that thankfully we captured with, um, you know, our couple photographers that were there. We got a few really great shots of it. But um, he had no idea that she was there in that moment of, you know, his mom had traveled all this way to come and be a part of this event that's been so important to him. That was really special. That's great. And she was so proud. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can definitely imagine. Okay, so one of the things I'm thinking about, I haven't, I haven't decided yet, but I'm thinking about winning next year. Thinking about entering and and just just winning, winning the whole thing for myself. Yeah. So, what do you think my chances are, first of all, and then what tips would you give me and other aspiring Mister Marina candidates to help to help help us win? So I think that the number one tip that I would have is to prepare and be organized about everything. Something that I've seen that's pretty consistent with the guys that win is they're really great at kind of managing all of the people that they want to come out to support them. So Jeff Zeller, who won um, in 2014, he had this spreadsheet that he showed me with all of the people in his network that he was planning on emailing about donating to his campaign. And then he had a column for, um, you know, what their action was after the first email he sent out. These are the people that donated. These are people that didn't donate. And then he had a very like specific follow-up based on what that action was. You know, did they open the email? Did they not open the email? Um, and he had a really great cadence of follow-up. So it wasn't intrusive. It wasn't annoying, but it was, you know, a good reminder. Hey, like, you know, would love for you to donate and support. This is how you can do it. This is where you can buy a ticket. Um, you know, he had that managed too, because you get points for how many tickets you sell and we track that and see, you know, which candidates bring in, you know, however many tickets. And so we can 
incentivize that. But I think that that level of organization was really, really key for him. And it's really neat seeing, you know, everyone has a different approach. Everyone has different ideas. And we have Mr. Marina mentors each year. So guys that have participated in the past that are, you know, available to answer questions and provide guidance or strategy and taking advantage of that can be really helpful because, you know, learning from someone that has done this before, um, is very advantageous because then you're not reinventing the wheel and you can kind of get some tips and that can be, you know, helpful. But I think, you know, there's some people that are super excited about it in the beginning, but then think, oh, it's like, you know, a couple months away, I can start doing this in a few weeks. Um, that's not going to set yourself up for success, really, you know, taking it seriously from the beginning. And, um, the fundraising is something that is of utmost importance going into the event. So that's something that I would say is, you know, important being organized about that. Another thing is we offer a lot of different incentives and bonus points throughout the campaign season. Um, you know, related to whoever sells the most amount of tickets, you know, this week gets an extra two points or, you know, something along the lines of that. Taking advantage of all of those opportunities is really helpful. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that what's interesting about the stage show and the the talent, I mean, talent is really kind of the best part. It's the most fun. Right. Um, to the point where we're almost wondering if we should get rid of the Q and a or do something different at the end. Cause that's kind of like, well, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not nearly as exciting. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the guys that, you know, do really well in the talent portion, they really kind of tap into their networks in terms of, you know, Oh, like, you know, do we know anyone that can choreograph this crazy dance or, you know, um, they get a lot of really great ideas and kind of feedback from their friends versus just kind of throwing together an idea and, you know, getting on stage and doing it. So we're neighbors here on Green Street. Um, when people ask you what neighborhood do you live in, what do you say? So my zip code is 94123. And through the league, which is a dating app that I use, it pulls zip codes and it says Marina. So it says that I live in the Marina. I identify as the Russian Hill side of Cow Hollow because I'm on green between Franklin and Van Ness. And okay. it's like kind of borderline Russian Hill. I think technically it's actually Pack Heights when I look at the map, but that's it usually is. how I describe it. Yeah, so this is the, I, and I ask because I always have this discussion with people. Yeah. It is officially Pack Heights, but I'll, I'll tell people that, and they're like, oh, you're just trying to get out of the marina. You're <laughs> trying to get out of Cow Hollow. <laughs> so I'm always curious what other people, um, what other people say. All well, right. Yeah, you say Cow Hollow, and then people say, oh, so the marina. So I just, I just started saying like Pack Heights, Cow Hollow border, just, yeah. to, just to make it easier on people. That's, that's accurate. So what, um, when you think about our neighborhood, uh, tell me what your three favorite things to do or places to go are in the neighborhood. I love this neighborhood. I love, you know, walking around on the weekends. I have a girlfriend that I work with and we do, um, a walk together. That's like a four mile loop around the neighborhood just to kind of catch up and get some extra Fitbit steps in our day. Um, but yeah, I just, I love being here. I love walking around. I love grabbing coffee, going to eat, grabbing a drink. I mean, there's so many great places that are in such a close vicinity here, which can also be challenging because it's kind of like a bubble and, you know, I like to make sure that I go to other neighborhoods and I explore, you know, all that San Francisco has to offer, but there's, you know, a lot of really great stuff here. So it makes it easy to just kind of stay here. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I really like doing is running to the bridge and back. It's like a seven mile loop from my apartment and back. And I think that that's just a really great way to kind of kick off the day and, you know, enjoy this beautiful, beautiful area. And, um, so I'd say running to the bridge is one. 
Um, another thing that I really like that I've gotten into lately is trying different coffee places. I really like St. Frank on Polk street. It's really close to my apartment yeah. and they have this really amazing homemade almond and macadamia milk. I just went in there for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It it's great. great. It's a cool vibe too. Some mm-hmm. people will like, you know, bring their laptop and get a little work done. Um, it's small, but yeah, it's a good spot. What's some of your other favorite coffee spots nearby? Um, I, I really like Blue Fog Market. Yeah, I love that place. God, that's I what, that's place. what I have they, right now. They changed. They used to have Blue Bottle co- Coffee. Now they have something different. Yeah. Which I was kind of disappointed with, but I, I still was, love that place. I was also disappointed because Blue Blue Bottles are a really great San Francisco go-to. Yeah. It's also really caffeinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the taste of it, though. Okay. So what? So number three. I interrupted you. Oh, number three I mean, there, there's so many restaurants around here that are just really great go-tos, whether it's going on a date. I go on a lot of dates in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> Not with Mr. Marina contestants, though. Not with Mr. Marina contestants. Um, people that I meet otherwise. Right. Um, I, You know, I really like Amelie on Polk Street. It's a really great wine bar. Yep. I like that place a lot. Yeah. Everyone's super French and very knowledgeable about wine. They have a great um, a great list and they have an awesome happy hour. It's usually a little too early for me because I get out of work a bit later, but you can choose any three wines on the menu for a flight, which is amazing. And yeah, it's just, a, that's a really great go-to spot. Have you been to Union Larder yet? I haven't, but I had a date scheduled there last night that got, yeah. or tonight for tonight, actually that got, that got moved. Um, yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Hyde Street is my favorite, I, I think, Hyde. section of the city. If I could live anywhere, I would live somewhere where that could be my main, like, day-to-day street. It's so cute. It is awesome. Like, And so Union Larder there is, like, a new place, and it's awesome atmosphere. Very crowded. Is it by Stone's Throw? It's right across the street okay. from Stone's Throw. Perfect. Yeah. And then the other place on Hyde I really like, have you ever been to Cafe Muse? Yes. Another awesome wine bar was just a great atmosphere. Yeah. One of my like favorite spots. I love, I love the wine bars. There's another one that's kind of um, closer over here. The West coast wine and cheese. Um, yes. Have I been there? It's on you. Oh yeah. 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 That's a new place. Yeah. I didn't even realize they opened up cause I used to, there's like nothing on that side of the street. And then I happened to like walk. Yeah. They're one great. Day and like see it. Yeah. That is a cool spot. Love wine bars. <laughs> so opening it up to the rest of the city. I know this is a tough question. But if you had to name your three favorite restaurants in San Francisco, what would you say? It's such a tough question because there's so many. Um, yeah, then it's it's a question of like, is it a place I frequent or is it a place that I've been like one or two times? There's this one. I really like French restaurants. And there's this one French restaurant in the inner Richmond that's an easy choice for me because um, it's just such a wonderful experience. It's called Chapeau. Yeah. Thought you were going to say been? that. Love that place. That place is amazing. <laughs> it's great. It's unbelievable. It's great. And, you know, the chef, Philippe, he greets everyone and says goodbye to them all and kisses you on the cheek. And it's just such it's such a great personal experience eating there. Yeah, I think it's just as good as any of the high-end French restaurants here. Like, uh, what's the place on Polk? Um, can't think of it. There's a really, like, high-end French restaurant on Polk that I just can't. La, La Folie. Folie. La Folie, yeah. yeah. I think it's, like, just as good, but it's, yeah. like, a more casual, like, lower price. It's thing. not I as... I love that place. Yeah, exactly. La Folie has a great lounge, too, just yeah. to grab some cocktails or a bite, but, okay. yeah. I what agree. else? Um, I really like Social. Been there once. I've been, th- I've been there once, too. I want to go back. 
I, when I went there, it was fun because we went to Spruce to grab a drink beforehand and Spruce is amazing. Um, more of like a special occasion choice. Um, but I loved that it was kind of in that neighborhood and they have a really cute patio with the white lights and it's just a really great vibe with really amazing food. Okay. And I'm going to make you, I'm going (laughs) to make everybody say three. (laughs) I know it's, it's so hard to choose just, just to choose one. Um, I, you know, a go-to for me is Della Rosa. I was a huge fan of Beretta, um, before Della Rosa opened. And when Mm -hmm. I found out that there was a spot that was closer to me that pretty much had the exact same menu, I was so excited. (laughs) Um, I think that the team that does those restaurants is just so great. I mean, they have star Valley, they have a new place that just opened a Belgian place on union, um, Belga. It's where cafe does and me used to be. Mm, it's really? like just opening. Okay. No, I see, I've seen them like, I mean, cause that's like right down the hill for me. Yeah. I, I've seen them working on it. I didn't realize it was just about to open. They had a preview party last weekend. I think that it's open this week. If it's not this week, then maybe it's next week. Okay. But yeah, they're about they're about to kick things off there. But anyways, I love I love everything that they've done. They have like fifteen restaurants at this point. Mm. Um, but whenever I have friends in town and we don't have a reservation somewhere and we want to grab a bite somewhere that's fun and we can get great drinks and you know share a few plates, Delarosa is usually my go to. So you're about to celebrate your seven year San Francisco anniversary. Longest relationship I've had. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad relationship to have. Yeah. It's at all. Solid. San Francisco. It'll always be there for you. Right. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like you really like it here. Um, but let's say you had to move away um, for a new job or for whatever reason. If you had to move away, how would you spend your last day in San Francisco? I would start off the day by doing something outdoors and active. I think I would actually take my road bike across the bridge and do Paradise Loop in, San, in Sausalito because um, that's such a great ride and it has such great views of the city and it's just, you know, kind of like a familiar, um, you know, fun way to, to experience all of it and biking over the bridge is just so great. Um, so do that in the morning and then get brunch somewhere fun with all of my friends and, you know, make a reservation, you know, for a big group. I love brunch. I think brunch is a really fun, um, you know, social thing to do to catch up with people for the weekend. So I'd plan something like that. Probably make sure that I go to the park and enjoy that. Um, probably Dolores park. I mean, that's, um, you know, such a San Francisco staple. I I love Fort Mason, but I, I would probably choose Dolores just for the San Francisco experience. Um, I would definitely make sure to get a big reservation somewhere for a big group, somewhere fun for dinner. Maybe the back table at Gamine, which is on Union, their French restaurant. Nice. Um, it's like good for like 10 people. Oh, private. I don't think I've seen that. So they, do they have a back room that you can't see from the front area? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's great. It's great for a group. I did. I celebrated my birthday there one year and it's just a great big table that's totally secluded. So if you have hmm. a big group, it's perfect for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the things I love about San Francisco is all the people here. Um, so then maybe I'd have a big party afterwards to make sure that, you know, I got to see everyone before leaving because leaving San Francisco would be really tough. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I, when I moved here, I thought I was going to be here for maybe one or two years because I've always seen myself as the type of person that likes to experience new cities and, you know, challenge myself and try something new. And I almost didn't want to move here because I felt like I had a pretty solid network and I wanted to start clean and, you know, really do something that was pushing myself and putting myself out of my comfort zone. But 
I just love it. It's such a great city and I love the Bay Area and it's, um, you know, really, really great place that I'm fortunate to live. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for being on the show, Brianna. It's been great hearing your story. Um, and congratulations on the success of Mr. Marina. We'll see and, you next uh, year. I'll be there next year. <laughs> I haven't decided Maybe if I'm going to be on stage, stage <laughs> or not. You know, I'm going to take the next couple months to really like think that over. Okay, we have time. <laughs> but because you know, if I'm going to go in, I'm going to I'm going to go in to, in to win it. So we'll, we'll see. Well, you know, once the once the event ends every year, I'm immediately in recruitment mode. Yeah. So. <laughs> Next spring, Brianna will be celebrating the fifth anniversary of the Mr. Marina competition. And from what I've learned about her, she is not going to coast on her successes from the previous four. No way. She's going to find a way to make this this next event bigger than ever. Uh, She already told me about a few format changes she's thinking about that will help keep the event from getting stale. And maybe I can help her out by getting up on stage myself. Whew. Yeah. I'm going to dig deep these next few months and make a decision on whether to launch my campaign. And I'll let you guys know. You can read more about Brianna by going to the San Francisco People website. It's sfpeoplepodcast.com. From the front page, click on Brianna's picture, and that will get you a recap of this show and links to everything we talked about, including the Mr. Marina website, where you can check out photos and videos from previous competitions. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the show at SF People Podcast. And if you tweet about a San Francisco person doing something interesting, please tag your tweet with the hashtag SF People. I'll be following those to help me find new guests for the show. Or if you prefer, shoot your guest ideas to my email address, frank at SF People Podcast. I also wanted to let you guys know about another podcast you should check out that's similar to mine. It's called The Eastern Shore, and it's hosted by Brock Winstead. So whereas my show focuses primarily on people from San Francisco, Brock focuses his show on people from Oakland and the East Bay. Both of our shows run back to back every Monday from 2 to 4 p.m. on a local radio station called BFF.FM. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Thanks to everyone again for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco People. People.